Great. So uh, the reading is uh, from 2 Timothy 2, 3 to 13, and can be found on page 1195 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. Join with me in suffering, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This is the word of the Lord. Good. Uh, good morning. I just had to check on the clock. Is it morning? Is it afternoon? It is uh, still morning by six minutes, so good morning. Uh, if we've not met, my name is Richard. I'm one of the, the curates, junior ministers here, and uh, it's great to have you with us. And as we say, this time of year, if you're here for the first time, uh, particularly a warm welcome uh, for you. Uh, as Tim says, uh, it's a double act this morning. I'm just the first half, so uh, my job is to be brief, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, but let's pray as we Uh, come to reflect together on God's word. Our gracious Father, we ask that as we reflect on what the scriptures are saying, what you are saying through the scriptures, as we do that together this morning, as we continue to do that through the week, please would you give us insight into these things. Insight to see Jesus more clearly, to live for him more faithfully. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now imagine that uh, it was decided uh, by the PCC that it's time to stick two huge banners down the two sides of the church. One uh, on this side so everyone on Platt Lane can see it. One on this side so everyone in the park can see it. And uh, we're taking submissions. You've got ten words on the banner to project a message to Manchester. Uh, A welcome to the church, an invitation, uh, what you want to say to them. I wonder what your submission would be. Maybe there's a hundred pounds for the best one. I don't know. It's imaginary. Maybe there's a million pounds. What would your submission be of what we should write on two giant banners down the side of the church as a message to those who walk by? I'm not going to take suggestions now. I don't have a million pounds. But my guess is that not many of us would lead off uh, with the first words of the reading we just heard, where Paul says, join with me in suffering. 
join with me in suffering. Or to, to paraphrase it for our banners, come and suffer with us. I guess for not many of us, that would be our, our lead-off. As I walk around Manchester and see all kinds of advertising for different uh, things, none of it seems to say, come and suffer with us. And yet, as Paul writes to Timothy, we've been reading this letter of 2 Timothy, where Paul, a senior Christian minister, writes to Timothy, a junior colleague, urging him to stand firm. Paul's call to Timothy, and we'll see later in the passage, his invitation to all Christians is... Join with me in suffering. Come and suffer with us. And so if we want to be true to the word of God, then part of our message to Manchester, and if you're new here at Platt, let me be one of the first to invite you to come and suffer with us. Now, that's a a sentence, a phrase, a message that could be misheard in all kinds of ways. So we need to look to see what, what is Paul saying? What's he not saying? But come and suffer with us. Join me in suffering. As you say, uh, Paul is urging Timothy to stand firm, and particularly this morning, to stand firm as he joins in suffering. And so for us to stand firm as we join in suffering. And especially comes in two halves. Uh, First in verses 3 to 7, Paul explains what kind of suffering he's talking about. And then he answers the obvious question, why? The question anyone would have walking down Platt Lane if they saw that banner, why would I do that? That comes second. So first, what kind of suffering is Paul talking about? It's this kind of suffering. Paul says that commitment to the gospel brings suffering. So to be clear, Paul isn't talking about, he is talking about a particular kind of suffering. Not the general suffering that's common to every human being, Christian or not, who lives in a fallen world. He's not talking about uh, illness and bereavement and having uh, awkward colleagues and, uh, and tough situations at work. He's talking about a particular kind of suffering that's unique to Christians. A suffering that comes from being committed to the gospel, the Christian message. A suffering that comes from being committed to a church family, to, to this group of people with all of the joys and frustrations that there are in a room like this. Of being committed to serving one another. That kind of commitment to the gospel will bring suffering. Because the example Paul uses, uh, the the three examples, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, what they have in common is that each of those is committed to a goal, to a task, and is willing to suffer to get there. So Paul is talking about the suffering of being committed to the gospel. And as we look at these verses, I just want to start at the end, at verse 7. Paul says, reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Now, a little bit, especially Ruth's going to help us think, how do we reflect through the week? How do we continue to reflect on what we've heard the Lord saying through his word? But that means as we think about the soldier, the farmer, the athlete, Paul says, reflect on what I'm saying. The Lord will give you insight. Ask yourself the question, does my life match what I'm hearing? And let me say as we start, the answer might be yes. For some of us, the tendency is we beat ourselves up, we hear something like this, I could do more, I should be doing better. I've only been at this church three months. I don't know anyone very well, but in three months I've seen all kinds of examples of people who are committed to the gospel, even to the point of suffering. And so it may be as you hear these, what you need to hear this morning is, I'm doing the right thing. 
I am suffering, and that shows that I'm committed to the gospel. And as we'll see later in the passage, that is a, even a glorious thing to do. It might be as we go through one of the three, you think, uh, yeah, that could use some work. That doesn't quite describe my life. Paul would say as we go, reflect on these things, and the Lord will give you insight. As so let's talk about them. Join with me in suffering, Paul says, like a soldier, like a farmer, like an athlete, like a farmer. First a soldier, verse 3. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. The civilian affairs Paul's talking about, they're not bad things. They're not sinful things. He's just saying that soldiers, because they're committed, because they're training, because they're on the front line, there's things that they can't do that others can do. They don't have as much time to weed their garden, to enjoy whatever the ideal night out is for you, the opera or KFC. They don't have as much time to, to spend with their family. They're away for long stretches at a time. They give up good things because they're committed to serving their commanding officer. And Paul says, so for the Christian. Being committed to the gospel will mean having less uh, leisure time. Because we're committed to people in this room, and we know there's times we just need to gather together. We know there's times when someone needs something and I'm going to give up some of my time to serve them. Being committed to the gospel will mean having less disposable income than others, than colleagues who are paid the same amount because we're committed financially to ministry here and ministries around the world. And so Paul would ask, are you committed to the gospel in such a way that you have less time and energy and money than you would have otherwise. If you are, that is soldier-like suffering, which comes from being committed to the gospel. Second after the soldier, we have the athlete. Verse 5, he says, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete doesn't receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. I mean, that's obviously true, isn't it? In any sort of sporting endeavor, there are rules, and your life would be easier if you didn't follow them. So the footballer thinks, I could, I could get the ball to the goal a lot easier if I just picked it up and carried it. That would be simpler. Or the marathon runner sees the long uh, run that way, and then she realizes she's got to come back the other way, and thinks, I could just nip across this side road. It'd be a lot easier. And it would. But no one's going to give that footballer, that marathon runner, a, a crown, a medal, a trophy, a cup. You follow the rules, that's how. It's harder work, but that's how you reach... The prize. And so in the Christian life. In any culture, anywhere you go around the world, any, you travel in a time machine, any point you land in history, there'll be parts of the Christian message, parts of what the Bible says, which are unpopular and uncomfortable and difficult. And it'll be tempting anyway just to, to bend the rules, just to take a shortcut. There'll be the questions that you dread someone asking. Are you one of those Christians who believes, who does? And it'll be tempting to say, of course not, or to move on, or to not talk about it. But if it is part of what the Bible says, and it's different from the culture that we find ourselves in, in Britain in the 21st century, then commitment to the gospel means being committed to the Bible we have the gospel in. And so Paul would ask, again, are you committed to the gospel in such a way that you're committed to the Bible, the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible? 
Because if we are, that is athlete-like suffering. It'll bring athlete-like suffering as we don't cut a corner because we're committed to the gospel. And then thirdly, Paul says there's a farmer who just works hard. Verse 6, the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Farmers work hard. They're up early, physical labor, they work hard. And that is true for many here, and I've seen it just in three months that I've been around. There are many for whom simply getting to this building is hard work. Some of our older, frailer members, some of our younger families with three children to try and herd out of the door and into the car. It's just hard to get here. And then you sit through the service and you can't quite hear what was going on, or you're with a screaming child in the crash the whole time. You think, what was even the point of coming? It is, of course, a huge encouragement to those sat around you that you came, but it might not feel like it. There's the emotional hard work. We're going to have a church lunch after this service, and for some of us, the idea of walking through into that room and sitting down with someone I don't know very well and talking with them feels like hard work. Then there are the late nights at yet another committee meeting, the alarm clock that goes off too early once again, so I've got time to pray for my small group. There's a team who's been here since nine this morning, preparing and running activities for the children and the youth and running the computers at the back and playing the music and are still here. There's the chairs you're sitting on, which I don't know how many times they've moved around this room in the last week for different events and different groups that are in here in their back. Someone's moved them. And so Paul would ask, are there times you are just tired when you get home from church? And if there are, that is farmer-like suffering because of our commitment to the gospel. Paul says commitment to the gospel will bring suffering. Like the soldier who has to give up good things because they're committed, like the athlete who follows the rules because they're committed, like the farmer who works hard because they're committed. Commitment to the gospel will bring suffering. And he says, reflect on these things. What do you see in your life? But as I said, the obvious question is, why would I do that? (laughs) If commitment to the gospel brings suffering... Why would I be committed to the gospel? Why wouldn't I take the easier route? And Paul's answer, we have a hint actually in those pictures because all of those, the soldier, the farmer, the athlete, they're looking for something in the future. I'll work hard now because there's something coming in the future. My commander will be pleased. There's a crop coming, there's a prize, a medal. And Paul says for the Christians, it's because we look to the future. Have a look at verse 8. Verse 8, Paul says, remember Jesus Christ. Christ. When you're asking, why would I suffer? And there are days we don't ask that. There are days where being at church and serving and working hard feels like a joy. And there are times when we'll find ourselves asking, why bother? And Paul says, in those moments, remember Jesus Christ. And particularly remember this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Which is Paul's kind of trademark way. You can see it in Romans 1 and other places. It's his trademark way of saying, remember that Jesus is reigning in glory. Remember that he's reigning in glory. Remember, Mark 9, some of us heard a sermon on a a few weeks ago. Uh, Remember that uh, when the disciples got a glimpse of Jesus' true glory, he shone like the sun. 
remember that even now in heaven there are thousands and ten thousands of angels and beings we can't imagine and, and Christians who've died and are with the Lord who are praising him non-stop saying, worthy is the Lamb. Remember that one day every knee will bow before him. Remember that Jesus is reigning in glory. And I find myself asking, yeah, and how does that help? Good for him. I'm suffering. It's hard. Remember Jesus is reigning in glory because that's the glory he will share with his church. That's Paul's point. It is true that commitment to the gospel brings suffering, but suffering for the gospel will bring eternal glory. It did for Jesus. And it will for his church. And there's two directions that works out. Uh, suffering for the gospel will bring first eternal glory for others. We'll pick it up again from verse 8. Paul says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that's in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So that the salvation that's in Christ Jesus with eternal glory, those who are in Christ Jesus will receive eternal glory. His eternal glory will be shared with his people. And so there are people walking around Manchester, as there were in Ephesus in the first century. Today, there are people walking around Manchester, Paul calls them the elect, who are destined to hear God's word and believe it and receive eternal glory. A share in the glory that is Jesus' by right will be theirs by adoption. And what's Paul's response to that truth? Verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain salvation that's in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. There are people in Manchester who need to hear God's word, that they may believe it, that they may obtain eternal glory, a glory that today they couldn't imagine and we can scarcely imagine it either. People who may never have heard the name of Jesus Christ, people who may never have been in a church and yet one day will be sharing in a glory that you wouldn't believe. And Paul says, for that I'll endure anything. Will we endure suffering so that others will obtain eternal glory. And then it's true for us as well. Suffering for the gospel brings eternal glory for us. That's in this trustworthy saying, uh, verses 11 to 13. Here's a trustworthy saying. Listen to this, Paul says. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. That's the pattern of the Christian life. Jesus died and then rose. Christians will die and then rise with him. And that pattern continues in verse 12. If we endure, if we suffer, if we keep going, we'll reign with him. I mean, years ago I was at a conference uh, with uh, some friends and a speaker was speaking on the glory that will come in Jesus, that one day we will reign with him. That's the phrase here. And a friend after me, Will, turned to me and said, uh, after that talk, do you know what? I kind of always imagined that I'd get like a broom cupboard in God's kingdom. And I thought that was great. I was happy with that. But this, Paul doesn't say those who endure and suffer for the gospel will get a broom cupboard or will eat at the king's table on Tuesdays and Fridays or will sometimes be welcomed into the palace. He says, will reign with him. 
And it goes on, if we disown him, he will also disown us. You've got to get the tenses right here. It's not talking about the past. It's not talking about the past. It's not saying if you have disowned him, then you're done. And you might as well not be here this morning, because game over. It's not saying that. There are people in this letter, Phygelus, Hermogenes, we'll hear about them a bit more next week, who have really screwed up and Paul is praying that they will come back and be restored and forgiven. If you're here today, it is not, this isn't saying it's too late for you. This is talking about the future. Paul is writing to Timothy, who currently is going well and serving the Lord and enduring suffering, and he's saying, keep going. Because if in the future you disown him, and that's the end of the story, then he will disown you. It's not a condemnation for things we've done in the past. It's a warning, a charge for the future. Don't disown him. Timothy, don't disown him. Richard Criddle, you're, you're a curate. You're serving the Lord. Don't disown him. Paul Matoli, with the pressures that are coming your way, now you're the rector of Holy Trinity, don't disown him. Church, don't disown him, because if we disown him, he will disown us. And verse 13, the others are promised for the future. This is a promise for now. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. However messy it looks, however many people seem to have deserted Christ who aren't enduring, however weak the church looks, God remains faithful. We'll see more of that next week. God remains faithful. You can still bank your life on his promises. And so commitment to the gospel will bring suffering. But then suffering for the gospel will bring eternal glory. And so Paul says, will you endure? For the sake of those in Manchester who haven't yet heard of Jesus, but one day will share an eternal glory, will you endure suffering? And that one day you may reign with Christ. Will you endure suffering? And the days where we forget why... On the days it seems too difficult, Paul says, will you remember Jesus Christ? Because he's faithful and he will keep you. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we praise you that as everyone else, in different ways and to different degrees, is faithless, you remain faithful that the promises of this part of your Bible and any part of your Bible are true today and will be forever. And so we pray you would continue to hold Jesus before our eyes, that remembering him we would endure suffering, that we'd see many come to share in eternal glory and one day we would be there too. And please with that vision, hold us, keep us, let us persevere now. Amen.